Welcome back to another episode of Nonfiction Friends, where truth is stranger than fiction. I'm really excited. This is one of my favorite kind of episodes where we talk about food. Yummy. But not just any food. Cheese. Mm, The best food. The best food. Uh, We're both big fans of cheese, so we found a cheese book in... Books. Books in 637.3 of the nonfiction section. Uh, ish. Mine's a little different. We also have a cookbook that we're that we're relating to. Yes. Um, in six forty one point. What's yours? Six seven three. Six seven three. Boom. Uh, we used your cookbook to talk about today the charcuterie board now, that we've made. You guys might have seen this around uh, in social media. It's become very popular very as popular. of late. Charcuterie. Everyone making their own charcuterie boards. But but what is a charcuterie, Joshua? Well, most people, uh, I think, would recognize things such as bacon or cold cuts yeah, or bacon. even hot dogs. Bacon. I know you wouldn't think of a hot dog as a charcuterie. No. <laughs> that seems like a really, like... I mean, I could get down with a hot dog on a, on a charcuterie. No. There's like mac and cheese. <laughs> That'd be the saddest charcuterie board. Be like a themed charcuterie board. Gross. <laughs> um, but um, those are actually forms of charcuterie. Uh, charcuterie comes from a French term, uh, charcute. Charcute. Uh, which translates to... So cute. <laughs> to so cute. So cute. This board. <laughs> Um, it actually translates to cooked flesh. Not cute. Yeah, not, not as, as cute. cute. Kind of disturbing. Wait, so if you made a, a vegan board like this, it, would you still call it a charcuterie? Vegan plate. Well, the origins of charcuterie are more like, have to do with meats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. You're right. Um, a, and this was also uh, a term, uh, charcuterie was also a term to identify shops that sold pork products and offal i don't know if i'm saying that right which is organ meats Ooh. yeah <laughs> this is going downhill fast uh during the 15th century these shops were not allowed to sell uncooked pork so instead they sold pork that was cured either through salt or drying yummy uh and it doesn't i couldn't find why they weren't allowed to sell uncooked pork i guess it's weird i feel like that kind of goes without saying right like bad Things. Is uncooked meat just a live animal? <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's a dead animal that's like hanging from a hook in a in a oh. shop. Okay. Later, um, in the same century, the 15th century, uh, charcuteries became highly esteemed due yeah. to the fact that they became in charge of pork butchering that maintained food supply for entire towns. Um, so, in short, they were responsible for cooking and preserving meat for their communities. Hmm. Which is kind of cool, you know, like a local butcher, I guess. You know? Yeah. Um, when the French Revolution came around, there were nearly 100 master charcuteurs. Charcuteurs? Charcuteurs? People who Boy, this is going to be a very challenging word episode. <laughs> um, that were selling their trade in the country's capital. So... Charcuterie comes from the belief that nothing comes from, that nothing that comes from an animal should be wasted, even uh-huh. organs. 
such as the heart, kidneys, brains, or lungs. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good... That's I like that. Yeah, yep. so not, not wasting anything. Doesn't mean I want to eat it, but I like that idea. Um, one one of the websites where I wish I got uh, my information from um, states that, like, you know, this is a 6,000-year-old tradition. Mm-hmm. So very old yeah. tradition. Uh, became popular during the Roman Empire um, and became more so thanks to the French during the Middle Ages. Uh-huh. Um, the Romans, which of course were famous for the preparation uh, side of the pork, such as organization, standardization, and raising of uh, the livestock, uh-huh. not cattle. Right, not cattle. Livestock. I just look. <laughs> I think cattle. We had the, Rebecca and I had this debate earlier, and I was like, "Doesn't cattle refer to just like farm animals?" No, it's just cows. I guess. Horned creatures. Do you remember any of the plural grouping names for a group of pigs? Oh, for pigs. Uh, Off the top of your it, head. It went by, it depended on if it was a group of young pigs or old pigs and male pigs. Um, no, I. long story short, no, I don't. But I remember like it was like they were swaddle of boars or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. It was weird. See, cattle's easier. Cattle is for cows. Um, so the French took all of this, like, industrialization and, you know, organization that the Romans did, and they elevated it and made it a highly tradable as well, um, as a form of art. Mm-hmm. Hence, um, all these beautiful charcuterie boards that we see today. Yeah. People arranging different meats, cheeses, nuts, fruits, you name it. Yeah. So I think, I think what's happening now is charcuterie even though it's supposed to be just meats and like accoutrement for meats uh it's becoming more like varied stuff like meat and other things in today's well i think it's fancy it's like culture because i think people who aren't familiar like i don't with cooking or aren't familiar with like you know like aren't really good like chefs in the kitchen like this is something like most people can do yeah (laughs) Cut it up, put it on a board, make it look pretty mm-hmm. and presentable. And it's a really good, like, easy dish to serve at a party. Yeah. I saw a lot of people doing it for the Super Bowl. Yep. So, yeah. And I hear that you have a little history about cheeses. Cheeses. And some cheese knowledge. I'm going to drop some cheese knowledge on you. Yes. Uh, my book for today. Wait, I didn't talk about my book. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jump the gun. Hey, so, yeah, my book. The Cheese Lover's Cookbook. Yes. We actually use this book um, to... Uh, to go shopping. Get, to go shopping to get uh, the cheeses that we... Because uh, it broke it down by a uh, category of soft, semi-soft, uh, semi-hard, and hard cheeses. Which I'll be getting to later. Which I won't I won't get into because <laughs> Rebecca's doing that. But um, we that helped us buy the cheeses in yeah. which we were going to make our charcuterie. Board. That was our launching point. Oh, and we did make a charcuterie board in case we, did. we didn't mention it. Um, yes. It will be posted on our Instagram. Yes. And you will see it and be amazed that we did something. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that I didn't mess it up. It was it was really fun. Uh, yeah, so Instagram at Osceola Library to see the picture of our beautiful. And tasty. Charcuterie slash cheese platter. I'm really impressed with us. I think we did I'm very really, impressed with us. We did a really awesome job. We knocked it out of the park. Okay. My book. The Joy of Cheese Making, The Ultimate Guide to Understanding, Making, and Eating Fine Cheese 
by Jody M. Farnham. Uh, the, it's kind of a deceiving title. I mean, you, there is a Do good, you not find joy in cheese? I mean, there's definitely joy in just cheese in general. It's just cheese. Uh, there is a quite big chunk on making cheese in here. However, there is so much more than that. Um, and you've brought your own cheese here that you've made today. <laughs> I, made, I made this cheese. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> um, so it starts with uh, the different classifications of cheese. Uh, there are five, as it turns out, five classifications of cheese. Good, bad, stinky. Amazing. Amazing. And do not touch. And mold. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that's kind of good. Um all cheese starts with the same ingredient being milk, whether it comes from cow, goat, sheep, etc. Um, you, we also have quite a few books in the library on making vegan cheese, which uses a lot of um, like nut milk as its base. Oh, so that was cool. really interesting to me. I looked at one of those because I, I don't do so well with cheese. I fight through it, but it's not so. But great. you said all cheese starts with milk. All cheese starts with milk. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it's the process that the cheese goes through, the different um, cultures and way and how it reacts. So the five classifications of cheese. Uh, first one is fresh cheese, cheese that is not aged out but consumed quickly after production. So That'd be my cheese. This is going to be stuff <laughs> like um, cottage cheese. Uh, it's bright white, fluffy, loose, and no rind no, with a you. milky, mild, tart, lemony, or tangy flavor. Cottage cheese just doesn't look appetizing to Cottage me. cheese, uh, feta, which I don't love. It's um, right. Queso blanco, which I do love. Um, but this is why this cheese gives me the most problem. Because it's got the most amount of active cultures and stuff in it. Um, just going buck wild. And it hurts. Uh, the next one is the soft ripened cheese. This is the good, this is the good is stuff. Is cottage cheese not soft? It's like the softest it's cheese. fresh cheese. Because that's like literally just the curds all okay. lumped. It's gross. Uh, the soft ripened cheese has three classifications of rind appearance. Uh, bloomy rind, which can be subcategorized into wrinkled looking with a light bloom pattern of yeast and mold for a firmer body. Mm. Is it disgusting? Is it, okay, does, <laughs> does, does, make it, does it make it less appetizing to you to think like just mold on cheese? I have to say <laughs> that... A reading this book did damage to my opinion on cheese. <laughs> um, I have never been a lover of the rind on brie, but brie is one of my favorite cheese. I have always picked the rind off, and, the, and this is why. I'm not a fan of soft cheese. Uh, so an example of the bloomy rind, uh, first one would be bijou, which I've never had. I don't know what that is. What's that? Uh, it's I a cheese. Oh. <laughs> uh, the other one would be almost no appearance of wrinkles, Looks and feels smooth with a thin, translucent white rind of white fuzz. Um, fuzz? For an example, that would be camembert. But as we see here, our brie that we have has a fairly gross-looking white fuzzy rind on it. Is that fuzzy? It's it's like a, a oh. like a cotton candy texture. It's weird. It's super weird. Wait, um, is that mold? No. No, it, it? it can't. Yes, it's the yeast in the mold. Uh, the other... Soft ripened cheese classification is washed rind with a sticky orange or reddish rind, which is meaty, yeasty, and barnyard smelling uh, with a sweet, savory smoothness, such as the Oma cheese. Well, you know what they say, oh, a good cheese is always smells like a 
but yeah <laughs> which if you remember from our previous episode on bacteria it's because they share bacteria. the same bacteria properties all right so the third classification of cheese is semi-hard cheese which is i think my favorite uh smooth firm flexible texture creamy off-white or ivory color yep. with sometimes pinhole openings generally aged about 60 to 75 days pinhole openings like like a swiss cheese yeah, uh, so, well, we have a different example. We have Haver, Havardi, Havardi? Havardi on here. doesn't have any, but some do. Um, that is just from what happens to it when it's, um, like, maturing, I guess is the yeah. word for it. Uh, then is hard cheese, which is uh, cooked at higher temperatures. There's two categories of hard cheese. Hard, with a firm, solid appearance, smooth, compact texture, and may contain openings, which come from the fermentation during the aging process, from propionic bacteria added to the milk, uh, producing carbon dioxide, which creates gas bubbles. And when those pop, they leave openings, such as Swiss cheese. Cool. Yeah, so they're gas bubbles. Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, the other one being extra hard, which is good for grating. Um the least amount of moisture in the cheese, the whole process of You know, that makes cheese. sense. I try to grate different cheeses onto pastas, and then some don't grate as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's because of their their hardness. Um, so it's all about expelling the moisture and the whey for the hard cheeses. Sometimes they're placed in a brine to expel more moisture and whey. Uh, developing a rind, which allows for less cracking and longer aging, such as the Parmigiano-Reggiano, like we have on our cheese board today. Very fancy. The final category of cheese is blue cheese. We don't need to talk about it because it's disgusting. Why does blue cheese get its own category? (laughs) Because it's the only cheese that actually has a process um, where they pin holes into it. Okay, so they make the cheese just like every other kind of cheese. naturally pin holes. And then they poke the cheese while it's aging with needles. And when those little needles go in, they leave a gap where oxygen gets in. Uh, so mold. when oxygen mixes with the mold that's been placed into the cheese, the Penicillium roqueforti, uh, it creates that blue mold, the veining of the blue mold. Uh, super gross. <laughs> How do they get make it blue? That's just the way the mold looks. When <laughs> I'm it's, kidding. Uh, it ranges from creamy to crumbly to firm. Uh, if you are uh, looking to start getting into blue cheese, it's recommended that you start with Cambozola, which is a soft ripened with a bloomy rind, silky, sweeter, and milder mold flavor. But personally, I don't like blue cheese of any kind, so yeah, I will hard pass on that. that. Uh, so that's about it for the for what I'm going to talk about for the science of cheese. This book, super duper awesome to break down um, other aspects of cheese, like what you're experiencing when you taste it, um, what makes it feel different, um, all that cool stuff. And then in the back is how to put together a cheese plate complete with a diagram going over all of the information that I just talked about. Whoa. So it's got the three different sources of, of milk, so like for cow. And then on the outside are the five different classifications of the cheese. And then on the outside of that is the flavor profile of the cheese, so that when you're putting together your cheese plate, you can pick things that would go better with it. So it says cow. If I wanted to do a camembert, it's got a mushroomy flavor from the forest floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird way to fresh, describe cheese. Fresh butter, 
and it's a mild flavor. So um, it recommends pairing uh, about three different cheeses together, uh, tasting in order from milder to stronger. Um, suggestions include a fresh cheese, a soft ripened no, cheese. No fresh, no fresh cheese. A semi-hard cheese, and then something with a big kick, which is usually a blue cheese. The idea is to create a balance with texture and taste and complement it with something sweet, savory, salty, and unusual. And this book is so awesome, it gives you a little chart of suggestions to put with it. So this one says, for example, if I wanted to put, uh, let's do a hard cheese, cheddar. Goes good with apple slices or dried pineapple, which I disagree. <laughs> Ew, I don't know about dried fruits with... Savory would be a red onion marmalade or stone ground mustard. Uh, salty like sh- beef jerky or almonds. And then go big for the flavor. A balsamic vinegar reduction or guanciale, which is cured Oh, from here that looks like guacamole. Guac- guanciale. <laughs> cured pig jowls. But anyway, so I like that this book kind of takes the guesswork out of putting together your cheese plate. Super helpful. There's some recipes in here too. And then, of course, lots of information on how to make cheese. Okay. So should we talk about our charcuterie that we made? Yes. So um, we used your book to correct, pick one to, from each category. To pick one cheese from each category. Mm-hmm. We got a, what is this, soft cheese? Soft ripened cheese is the brie. The brie. Mm-hmm. And then we moved up a category to semi hard, which is the Havarti. Havarti. And then we moved up to just hard. I which guess? is, this is an extra hard Extra hard, hard cheese. cheese. Parmesan. Uh, Reggiano. Parmigiano Reggiano. Yes. Yes. Uh, And then we picked, um, we were going to go with a baguette, but we thought to get like the most bang for our buck, we bought the little pre-sliced crispy baguette slices. They're pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I I like They're pretty awesome. I think I like, (laughs) it's easier than cutting our own baguette. Let's say that. (laughs) Because you get this perfectly little pre-proportioned. Toast. Bite of bread. Yeah. And you just plop some cheese on there and have at it. And then we have uh, salted pita crackers. Yes. As our other. And then for fruit, we got uh, some grapes, red grapes, mm-hmm. and a apple. A gala apple. Gala apple. And then we have some almonds on there. And we got um, salami. It's salami, right? Yeah. I forgot to look at the wrapper before we, before we cut threw it, it open. Away. <laughs> it looks so good. And it is so good. So um, um, I like how on a charcuterie cheese plate, you can mix and match different flavors to change the way other things taste. Do you find that's true? Yeah, for sure. What was your favorite combination? Um, the salami and the Parmesan go really good together. Interesting. I um, tried that. Followed up by the salty pita thing. This is a lot of salt, though. Um, right. <laughs> everybody knows that apple and brie is a really tasty combo. Uh, <laughs> well, you should, because it is. I wish we had gotten, like, um, like a compote or mm, some right. honey. Yeah. I've had honey on a few charcuterie boards. That would have um, been nice. Something, like, more liquidy, because everything on here is really dry. Right. I, I got, <laughs> as I was eating this, I got very thirsty. <laughs> I really need water. We have a lot of salt. Um, we have a... Maybe not enough sweet, and I think we needed something a little bit wetter. Yeah, I think I wanted another fruit, probably. Yeah, I would have gone for like a fig jam or a raspberry yeah. compote. 
That would have been nice. Yeah, I think a raspberry compote would have been really good. So what's your favorite on the plate? I always love grapes and cheese with, like, it's Anything? my favorite combination. Just, just to, like, snack but on. But I think it was, like, the grapes and the Parmesan Reggiano. Together at the same time or separately? Yeah, together at the same time. Oh, I didn't try that. No, it's my favorite combination. Hmm. It's very good. It's just so satisfying to like yes. sit. Like you're not really eating a lot, but you feel really satisfied by just yeah. like nibbling on these little things together. And it's super, it, while it looks daunting because to make it like look pretty, it's super easy to do. Yeah. You, anyone could probably do this. Yeah. With the chart that we, we have in both of these books. Yes. Just take that with you to the grocery store. Take a picture like we did. We took a picture of it. And then with our cell phone, we were just like referring back to that. And it didn't take very long to pick these out. Yeah. And then we just cut up, made it look pretty. Yeah. If you are like a stellar cook, you know, um, such as myself, um, <laughs> and you need to bring something to a party or you are having a party, right. this is the perfect, like... Yeah, this would be harder to transport. It has, like, a little bit of everything for people to love, and then people can try it and make their own combinations, yeah. you know? And it's super high impact. You can really easily make it look really nice. People are super impressed, but you really just threw some stuff. On a board. Yeah. Nothing fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we had a really nice board because I had that in um, my personal stock. What do you have any, any last closing thoughts on our charcuterie cheese plate? Um, it was yummy. It was yummy. I'd definitely do it again. Yes. Um, I want to keep trying different combinations. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I I've just, got the bug now to do more. Yeah. And I just want like really weird cheeses and like other weird things on there yeah so like if you're a local in central florida sometimes these things can be harder to find because i know in england cheese shops are like everywhere and you can really is get, that a thing you can easily get like huh. a really nice homemade cheese um resources that i found so far here in central florida we went to Publix for these Publix has a pretty decent selection of different kinds of cheese i mean it's mass produced but it's a good entry point at a lower price level Right? Which is what I needed. Which is good. <laughs> Aldi has a surprisingly good amount of cheese varieties and meats. And uh, Trader Joe's. Oh, yeah. Trader Joe's and Whole Food Market. Yes. You'd good. find a good supply of stuff. Yeah. You want to really get like experimental. Mm -hmm. And Lucky's Market. Never heard of them. Lucky's Market is awesome. I really like them. They have their own beer there, and you can get a beer and shop with a little cup holder on your shopping cart. So you can shop and drink beer at the same time. You usually end up leaving with a lot more stuff than you went in there for. Did, did it say in the book like like it would um some like it would pair good with wines? Yes, like... uh, my book definitely had a alcohol pairing list for the adult listeners wine and beer to match up with cheese list in here that's pretty cool i know i'm actually like really impressed with this book okay i want to stop talking so we can get back to eating cheese what's coming up in the library josh uh well everyone can book it on down to the library, down the library. uh because we are having a book sale coming up yeah and i know our listeners very much love our book sales mm -hmm. so i would hate for you all to miss this one it will be at the St. Cloud Library um, starting on Thursday, February 21st um, at noon. Uh, and don't forget to bring your own bags. Yes. If you want to save some cash, mm -hmm. it, then just fill it up with as many books as you want. Yeah. So, and you can walk out happy. And Yeah, it's like $3 for your own bag, right? For yeah. Like, within a size 
But if you don't have your own bag, that's okay. Um, the friends of the library have bags to provide for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but please don't miss out on these great deals because you can find a lot of good gems in there that are normally like 20, 30 bucks for, and you can get them for three. Yep. So it's hard it to say. Hard to, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Uh, I'm the only one who has a book plug today, right? That's Correct. fine. That's fine. Uh, I want to talk about The Sun and Her Flowers by, here we go. I'm going to try this. Oh boy. I really apologize to this author. I adore her and her work. Rupi Kaur? Rupi Kaur. I mean, I won't. The I Sun and know. Her Flowers. She's got two poetry books The Sun and Her Flowers and Milk and Honey. Of the two, both really great. I prefer The Sun and Her Flowers. Uh, the description is as follows A vibrant and transcendent journey about growth and healing, ancestry and honoring one's roots, expatriation and rising up to find a home within yourself. Divided into five chapters and illustrated by Kaur, The Sun and Her Flowers is a journey of wilting, falling, rooting, rising, and blooming, a celebration of love in all its forms. So it's a cute little book, really quick read, um, thought-provoking, makes you feel good. Check it out. That's great. Awesome. And remember, folks, we love our listeners. And that's not fiction, friends.